if you go to the store, depending on what your symptoms are, you'll you'll get something off the shelf. Uh, maybe maybe you got flu-like symptoms, you get some Sudafed, or you get some Usinex or something. You try those for a few days, man. It just doesn't doesn't really do the trick. You're still sick, so you wind up going to the doctor. Um, he might do a battery test to get down to really below what's the cause of the symptoms. And he'll typically, or she'll typically give you a, a you know, prescription. And it'd probably be something stronger and better and more effective than what you'd get over the counter. Uh, you know, with what we've been dealing with, with U-turns, turning around the consequences of uh, your life, we've, we've went down a lot of, we've went down a lot of uh, different paths to see what really gets us off the road from Jesus. We've talked about a, a ramp that says idols. Idols aren't wood and gold and silver they're not over in undeveloped nations but they're the things that we will uh, will put in place of god and we talked about things like emotional strongholds and we've talked about addiction uh we've we've talked about these things but y'all some of you are getting some freedom some of you are getting some personal revival you're, you're 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 moving closer to god you're getting back on that road but some of you you've got a taste of it but then man when you leave here you go straight back to that rut you go straight back to that grave well, I want you to consider something this morning. The reason you're not getting well is because you're taking the wrong medicine. You need something stronger. You need something stronger than just something you pull off the shelf. Uh, you, you, you need something that only Jesus can give you. I think the reason why lots of us go right back to, the, uh, to that rut is because we're, we're uh, victims of demonic oppression. There are demons that we have to deal with, and we deal with that a little bit different than the way we deal with anything else. Uh, unless we understand what demons are, what they want, and how they work, uh, they're going to remain free to radically operate in our lives, in our minds, in our circumstances, and in our situations. And maybe you've only been trying to rid them with over-the-counter things. You know, you're reading your Bible, or you're praying, or maybe you're going to connect group. But y'all, there are some things that you wrestle with that you're, you're really going to have to just use King Jesus with. And when, when I say that, I'm talking about demonic oppression today. These demons, they are your spiritual opponents. They hate you. They can't stand you. Uh, they, they want nothing more than to kill and destroy things in your life. Uh, group therapy won't help this. Cognitive behavioral therapy won't really help this. Self-help won't do this. It won't help internal dialogue. Self-talk won't do that. Uh, you need something different. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see him dealing with demon-oppressed and demon-possessed people all the time. And uh, if you're a born-again Christian, I don't think that you can personally be demonically possessed uh, because your soul is spoken for. Now, that doesn't mean that demons can't oppress you because they do. Uh, but anytime Jesus dealt with demonic activity, he really dealt with the causation of it. Uh, not just the symptoms, and you're going to see the symptoms here in a second, but he really dealt with the cause of what was going on. And when I say the cause, he dealt with the, demo, uh, he melt, he dealt with the demonic activity. He dealt with demonic activity. One of the most well-known instances where Jesus is dealing with uh, demonic activity is in a region called the Gerizines. Uh, the Gerizines was a part of a ten-city region uh, that some of your translations will say uh, Decapolis. Uh, Deca is ten, Polis is city, so there were ten cities in this region. And this is where Jesus uh, landed. He took a boat on that side of the river. Now you're going to notice here in a little bit that there were hog farmers on that side. And if, it, if you know anything about Jewish uh, dietary laws, they're not supposed to eat you know, barbecued pork and things like that. And so I'm wondering, man, why in the world is... Why, why is there hog farmers here in Israel? Well, these were what were called Hellenistic Jews. Say Hellenistic Jews. 
they were Jewish ethnically, but they had fallen into the pagan rut of, of Roman and Greek gods. So, you know, to them, a hog was, was money. You know, it didn't matter to them whether they ate or not. They're raising them because they, they were walking with God. So Jesus goes to this particular region on this particular shore. And uh, he rolls out Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. They came to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerizines. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Can you imagine getting off this boat? And I don't know how much the guy weighed, but let's say he weighed 350 foot on the hoof, okay? This guy's running at you full bore, 350 pounds of hungry. He's buck naked, chains hanging off of his, his arms. Fetters would be chains and shackles around his ankles. He's running and screaming at you. Now, I don't know about you, I probably would have got back in the boat, Okay? But that's not what Jesus did. Look at verse 2. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit uh, met him. And he had his dwelling among this man with the unclean spirit. He lived out among the graveyard and the tombs. Nobody. People have been trying to help him. But nobody was able to bind him anymore, even with the chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. Shackles would have been on the feet. Uh, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken to pieces. Man, this is somebody with superhuman strength. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and he was cutting himself with stones. So he was, he was cutting himself uh, uh, because of this demonic oppression that was in him. Now, you all know, some of these symptoms that the demoniac of Mark chapter 5 shows, uh, they're on full display in our culture today. Uh, we live in a time where self-harm, we see it all the time, whether it's people cutting, whether it's, whether it's whatever. Uh, we see rage, we see recklessness, we see rebellion, we see narcissism, uh, we see cutting, uh, cutting of oneself, we see nonconformist mentality in this guy, we see meistic uh, victim-based behavior in this guy. Uh, but let me tell you, all these things, that wasn't the dude's problem. His problem wasn't low self-worth. His problem wasn't that he didn't get enough hugs from his mom growing up. Uh, his problem wasn't that you know, he watched the wrong things on TV. His problem wasn't trauma-based behavior. His problem wasn't addiction. His problem wasn't any of these emotional strongholds or, or uh, psychopathic conduct. That's not what the problem was. They were symptoms of the problem. Behind these crazy actions was an unseen, unclean spirit. Beside, uh, behind this crazy behavior, there was demonic activity. Now, church, I'm not saying that all mental illness is demonic, but I am saying that there are times where uh, people will, will act psychotic, and it is demonic behavior. If you work out at mental health or at the prison or something like that, you know I'm telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. I caution you, as we talk about demonic oppression today, don't discount it. Don't be dismissive about it. Satan's goal in our life is to stop us from living out God's purpose and plan for us. And you might say, Brother Mike, I've been waiting for somebody to tell me what God wants me to do. Glad you're here today because you've got two jobs. Number one is to love God. Number two, to love people. I want to throw back to uh, the book of Matthew 22. Jesus has asked, Teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, Glad you asked. You've got to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And the greatest, uh, that's the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is uh, 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 of equal import. Love your neighbor as... Okay. Anything that prevents us or persuades us from loving God and loving people, that puts, that puts points up on the scoreboard for the devil. Anytime we don't love God and love people, that is a win, or he considers that success. So uh, 
Whenever anything prevents us from, from doing either of these things, Satan puts points on the board. Whether it's bitterness we show, or jealousy, or laziness, or low self-worth, you go on. If it stops you from mentally or behaviorally from loving God, others, and yourself, Satan has successfully oppressed you. Now you may not be living with an all-out of control level, the way the demoniac of Mark chapter 5 was. Uh, but you can overcome the unseen, unclean spirits, uh, demonic influence at whatever level you're facing. You may not be running around the cemetery buck naked with chains hanging off your, your arms. But I would probably, I will say this, every single one of us fight demonic activity. Every one of us. If you're a born-again Christian, you've got demonic oppression in your life. We're all needing some level of deliverance. So, Mike, how do you fight an invisible, unseen, unclean spirit? Well, how do we do? How, how does that happen? Well, it starts with knowing a little bit about what kind of entity we're up against. So, the first point of today's message is this. Let's expose the enemy. Let's just kind of bring him out in the light and let's, let's kind of take him apart a little bit. Uh, what kind, if you notice, what kind of spirit was, was, was camped inside this guy? Do you remember what, how the Bible described? It was unclean. Do you remember that? It was an unclean spirit. The root of the man's problem, and many of our own, lies in the unclean parts of our life where that demonic spirit can come in and lay hold to and stay. He grabs a hold of the unclean parts of of our life. They look for the unclean areas of our life to set up residency. Well, Brother Mike, what are, what are you talking about? Unclean areas of my life. It's the areas of our lives that are in opposition to God and God's Word. They are the areas of our life, Cooner, that, that don't stack up with Scripture, that don't stack up with the will of God. Because what happens is we've made a mess. We didn't do what God wants us to do. We got off track and whatever the, the exit was, whether there's an idle exit or an emotional bondage exit or an exit to ad addiction, we've got off the road somehow. We're, we're kind of wandering away. The devil moves right in. We've made a mess of things. We didn't clean it up. So now our dirt becomes the enemy's dirt. Our unclean spaces now becomes the unclean spaces for demonic activity. Back in the day, Miss Pam and I had a couple of drug dogs from Louisiana, uh, Bear and Pee Wee. We, uh, Kenny Prater and Kenny Grinwald built us a little uh, pen in the back of the house. They were huge dogs. Uh, Pee Wee passed, so we were just down to Bear. But this is what I remember. Uh, some folks brought over some railroad ties to do some lawnscaping, and we put them out there by the pen. Didn't know anything. Uh, I had bought, uh, I don't know if I bought them or they were given to me, but they were these huge styrofoam things that I was shooting my arrows into practicing archery. I think they got them in Perryville. I don't know. But they were huge. And I put those out by the pen. And so now I had this harborage out here by the pen. And I was going out to feed bear one day, and I saw, I saw a critter run there in front of the fence. I thought, oh, that was weird. Come to find out it was a rat. And if you've got one rat, you've got more than one rat. Uh, and what had happened was uh, they, they found that harborage, that mess out by my, my, uh, my dog pen, and they had made nest inside those styrofoam things. And, and it was gross. It was horrible. Now, I want you to know, I did not put up one sign that said rat resort or rat Airbnb. You know, I didn't have to do anything. They, they just came. I didn't put out a welcome mat. Man, they, they were just there. Now, Cooner, the reason why that happened is because I created an environment where those rats would feel at home. Didn't know it, didn't realize it, but didn't matter. 
They came and, and they made homes in that mess. Church, in our lives, we have these unclean things in our mind, whether they're in our thoughts, they're in our attitude, whatever. These are our unclean spaces. These are our styrofoam blocks and railroad ties in our minds. Now, we don't have to invite the enemy in. They see the mess. They see the unclean things in our minds, in our thoughts. They see those areas. And what they'll do is they'll insert themselves into our lives via influence, uh, through oppression, through domination, or in some extremes, even demonic possessions like the demoniac of Mark chapter 5. They make what was already dirty in our life. They, were make, they make whatever was a mess in our life, and they just make their mess, I'm sorry, they make our mess their mess. Our dirt now becomes their dirt. They're unclean spirits. They're cool with an unclean place. They're okay with the mess. This is where they find themselves at home. And the longer that they're in our life, in those unclean spaces, we gradually get worse. A habit will turn into an addiction. A preference will turn into something you're willing to fight about. You find yourself captured by your own sinful thoughts and behaviors that have been influenced by demonic spirits. Now, church, you might be saying, well, Brother Mike, this isn't Africa. This isn't Haiti. Uh, demons aren't around here like that. Yes, they are. Let me show you something in Scripture. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, now the Holy Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, church, say latter times. I don't know about you, but man, I don't know what other time we could be in. The latter time. Now clearly says at the latter time, some people will stop believing the faith. Why? Because they're going to follow spirits that lie and teachings of demons. Such teachings come from the false words of liars who conscience, whose conscience are destroyed as if by a hot iron. Church, demons take up residency. Demons live in our conscience, in our thought, in our minds. In our cognitive process. Demons make their homes in our thought life. Demons make their home in our belief systems. And when we stop believing God and we start believing the lying teachings of the devil, this is where we get that demonic oppression. Demons followed, by the way, you might be saying, well, Brother Mike, where do these dudes come from? Demons followed Satan out of heaven back when there was a coup in heaven for God's throne. Satan said, man, I could be you. I could take your throne. I'd do things better around here. I'd even things out. I'd make things right. And learn around all the other angels. He said, who's with me, fellas? And there were some angels up, up there dumb enough to follow him. What do you do? I say dumb. I fight with God all the time. I don't, you know, probably you do too. We're just real. They got kicked out with Satan from heaven after this coup. Where did they go? Baby, they came here. They were thrown out of heaven and cast down to earth. That's a whole other sermon. And we can get into that. I'm, just not, I'm very limited. Demons followed Satan out of heaven, or rather they got kicked out when he rebelled against God. Now here's the thing, church. You need to know something. All those demons and, and that devil that got kicked out of heaven, they're liars. They don't ever speak the truth. They are nothing but blatant liars. They are unclean spirits. They are liars and they, are, and they, gravitate, they gravitate towards lies. That's where they feel at home. 
They feel at home in those unclean spaces in our mind. They feed on the lies and what lies produce. They feed on bitterness. They feed on hate. They feed on jealousy. They feed off of racism. They feed off of all these things. And as long as we have that in our minds, we've set out a buffet bar for these dudes to come in and they'll stay. Demonic oppression, y'all, isn't just living out in the tombs naked. It's not crazy screaming like a, like a mental patient. It's not having superhuman strength, man. Uh, when we think about that, it's not just doing that. It's not screaming like that. It's not levitating above your bed and spewing out pea soup and your head swiveling on your neck like a swivel. Most of us, we, deb- we deal with demonic oppression of a less uh, obvious way. I want you to look at this. James chapter 3, verse 13 through 16. And what we really see James doing, by the way, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And he really begins to tell us what we need to look for in our lives if we're curious, if we're being oppressed by a demon. We typically think of the graveyard levitating off the bed, Linda Blair type of stuff. But this is what most of us face. If you are wise and you understand God's way, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition, by the way, jealousy and ambition are the two things that today's culture and social media uh, celebrate and promote. You know, if you've got bigger cars and prettier women or more handsome men hanging around you or you've got diamonds or jewels or whatever, you must be somebody. You've got a hundred follow, uh, you've got a thousand or a million followers. You've got all kinds of likes and all kinds of subscribers. Man, this is what society promotes. Follow. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover that truth. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are, God, are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly. They are unscriptural and they are... You ever been jealous? You ever been jealous? Have you ever had selfish ambition? You ever lied? You ever been selfish? The Bible tells us that these are the marks of demonic teaching. It's not just the dude, Mark 5, running around like a crazy man. It could be men and women who are jealous, selfish, overly ambitious. The things the world says, oh yeah, let's promote you. Y'all, you don't have to levitate and spew pea soup and walk up the walls to be a mark of demonic activity. Bitter, jealousy, selfish ambition, bragging and lying will do just fine. Anytime we take man's view over God's view, we've invited demons into the situation. Maybe not to the point of the demoniac of Mark 5, but it doesn't make any less demonic. It doesn't make it any less demonic. It's still demonic activity that you and I are fighting and we're up against. Our culture promotes the things that the demons are, are at home in. Y'all, no wonder there is a rise in suicide. No wonder there is a, a, a rise in, in, uh, in anxiety. No wonder there is a rise in self-loathing. No wonder there is a rise in low self-esteem. No wonder there is a rise in loneliness or success-based anxiety or whatever destructive mindset you want to call. We as a culture are promoting things that demonic activity embraces. All right. All of these are pieces All of those are pieces of styrofoam laying around in your mind. All of that stuff are railroad ties laying around in your mind. It's your mess. 
It's those thoughts that are unclean, that we have lying around the yards of our mind, and those are the places that demons look for to inhabit. They look to inhabit our conscience. These messes in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, these are the open doors. These are the welcome mats for the rats, if you will. Come on in, the water's fine. We've got the unclean spots. All of these are the places where the demons can come in. Dr. Martin Luther King said this. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Y'all, we can't fight these demons with self-help groups or self-help books or the right sermon or the right whatever. We're going to have to have something a little bit stronger. We're going to have to have something a little bit more powerful. You see, we can't close these doors with self-help strategies. Hey, the devil doesn't care whether you and me make New New Year's resolutions or not. That doesn't stop him. What we need is the light of Jesus in our life to get these demons out. We need the light of God's truth. And that's exactly what happened in the case of the demoniac. Mark 5, 6 and 7. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw Him, ran to meet Him, and bowed low before Him. And with the shriek, He screamed, Why are you interfering with Me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now, if you want to really go weird on this, look at how many different personal pronouns comes out of this man's mouth it goes from me my us and we now i want you i want you to understand this man is so confused he is so conflicted in his spirit by demonic activity he doesn't know whether he's coming or going he's tormented when jesus was still some distance away with a shriek he screamed why are you interfering with me jesus son of the most high god in the name of god i beg you don't torture me church This wasn't the man bowing before him. This was the demon that was inside the man that was bowing before in Jesus. These demons had worshipped Jesus in the high places. These demons had been a part of the angelic choir that had sang to Jesus before that coup in heaven. They knew Him. They recognized Him. They had laid eyes on Him before. This man didn't know who Jesus was. Period. But the devil knew. It wasn't the man identifying Jesus. It was the host of demonic activity that identify him they wanted to stay oppressing this poor man they wanted to stay exactly where they were they had found a good home in this man there was all kinds of unclean spaces in this man's mind they wanted to stay there but jesus wanted this guy to have freedom he wanted this guy to be free didn't want him with the demonic oppression and possession mark 5 8 for jesus had already said to the spirit come out of the man you evil spirit i want you to understand something Jesus said, come out of this man more than one time. There's no getting away around it when you look at this text in a whole. Says he said, he kept saying, come out, come out, come out. He kept saying, get out of that guy. This inner conflict is seen by the man's use of those pronouns. Church, this clash in this man between the demonic and between God, it created torment created conflict in his heart didn't know up from down didn't know left from right and what happened this thing started on the inside him but it grew to the point that it came out and manifested in his life it started inside but it worked its way out the demons didn't want to leave they found a house to terrorize they had created a tremendous amount of strife in this man's life and can you imagine the strife it created in the community around there some guy couldn't even go see his poor buried mom because this guy's out there running the cemetery you don't go out there with him out there 
So it caused an uproar even in the community there in the Gerizines. Church, there's been times in our life where we're caught between two desires. What God wants us to do and what the devil's leading us to do. You want to love God. You want to love people. You want to live like Jesus. But something else keeps pulling you in a different direction. Something else keeps pulling you away from God's purpose in your life. And there's a torment in your inner person. There's a word for that. It's called war. That's why we call it spiritual warfare. We have God. We have, the, uh, we have God telling us. And then we have the devil urging us. Listen to Mark 5, 9 through 10. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again, do not send them to some distant place. Now let me interject here. I believe that regions and districts and counties and nations and even people, I believe that the devil assigns demons to places. I think that they are in charge of certain areas and things like that. These demons, their district was Yerazim. This was their hangout. They were saying, don't send us away from our assigned spot. Don't send us away from, from this where we're at. Uh, this is where we are. This is where we like. Please don't make us move. There is a war on full display. And what you're seeing is this. The demons are negotiating their surrender with Jesus. They're negotiating surrender. Why don't you just... Why don't you consider this? Can they get your phone? War is on full display. And they negotiate their surrender. We're going to talk about more of that in a little bit. What does the demon say his name is? This is awesome. Listen, this is powerful. A legion was a Roman group of soldiers. That, uh, the number was 6,822 or 26, all depending on which reference I saw. But what this uh, legion of soldiers did is they operated as one unit. They had one purpose, one aim, one mission. This is what they did. When one moved, they all moved. When they, when they went forward, they all moved forward. And when they went back and retreat, they all moved back and retreat. They operated in unity. They were all on the same page. They had a mission. Follow me. Did you ever think this? The reason why the Bible is so hard on the church being unified, being together, being on the same page, walking in the same direction, praying to the same God, is because there's no way a divided church can conquer a unified enemy. The enemy's operating in unity. And he'll win every time as long as the church is fighting each other. When we're in conflict, the enemy could care less because he's operating in unity. When the enemy is operating in unity, it takes our unity in Christ to address it spiritually. The devil keeps us fighting, and here's the thing. This is what I believe. I believe that there is a demon that is assigned over, over America, and I believe that that demon is dividing this nation. We fight about race, platforms, we, uh, programs, politics. Man, there's not a thing out there that we as a nation, we don't argue about. Preferences, positions, we argue about homes, marriages. And because of our, of our weakness, uh, it's made manifest that there is disunity, not just in the nation, but even within the church. And the devil's strategy is to keep us fighting with other believers in the body. The devil's strategy is get us fighting here because they're not fighting there. His team's unified. I'm assuming the lack of amens because you just had your mind blown. 
But doesn't that make sense? The man didn't just have one demon influencing him. There were thousands. Church, the more demons that influence a person, the worse it gets, the more addicted you become. The more angry you get, the more hateful you get, the more racist you get, the more lustful you get. The more demons that influence you, uh, the greater the likelihood of being sexually excitable by perverse forms of sensuality. The more demons, the deeper they will burrow into your minds and your thoughts. The more demons, the further you get away from God. The more demons, the worse things are. And church, once we've exposed the demonic activity in our lives, we can set about dealing with the underlying root cause of why this stuff happens in us. So I want to talk about how do we expel the enemy? How do we get rid of them? Mark chapter 5, verse 10 through 13. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Jesus, send us into those pigs. The spirits begged him, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned into the water. Now I want you to notice something. The demons even have to ask Jesus to enter another host. In this instance, it was a herd of pigs. Church, say host. Demons are spiritual. They don't have bodies. They're invisible and they are unseen. Demons need a host. They need a person. Or they need an animal host. To do what they do. They have to have a host. And, and in scripture they'll say. Uh, I'm going to show this to you in a second. They go to the waterless spots. Which is the desert. To find rest. They only rest when they're in a host. They only rest when they're in a host. You go to the desert. Nobody lives there. Why? Because there is no water. So they go to where the people are. So the demons can't do much unless they have a host. That is where they find rest. If they're not in a host, it is a restless existence. So they need people to reside in. Demons are spirits, they are invisible, and they function through living beings. They need a visible, tangible entity in order to express themselves on this earth. They need a tangible Visible entity in order to rest. Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. And I'm only giving you this text to let you know that I'm not lying to you. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes to the what? There is no water in the desert. Searching for rest. Looking for somebody to make their home. But when it finds none. None what? Nobody. But when it finds none, it says, I'm going to go back to the person I just came from. I'm going to go back there. So that demon returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. It's no longer a mess. It's no longer unclean. This old boy or this old girl got right with God. She made some changes. Goes back and man, that, I can't live there. There's no mess. So it returns, finds its former home. Verse 26. Then the Spirit finds... Seven other buddies that it fought in heaven with. And it said, hey, let's go get this guy. 
And they all enter the person and they live there. You see, the demon, if he can't take you by himself, he'll go get some buddies to try to get you to. And so that person is worse off than before. Church, demons express their uncleanliness in our uncleanliness. Making us worse than what we were before they first entered. And church, there are thousands of demons on board before Jesus confronts the demoniac. This man has thousands of demons living inside of him. And at the sound of Jesus' voice, the demons enter the herd of hogs and they run towards the edge of the cliff and they fall off. Just between you and me, I kind of would have liked to have seen that. I wish somebody would have had a phone out because that would have been something to see. Them demons enter those hogs and man, they go off the side of that cliff. I'm going to tell you the lesson that I see in this. Anytime you get demonic activity in, with, uh, in your life, in your mind, in your conscience, they've got one direction they want to take you. They want to take you downhill. They want to take you off the cliff and they want to destroy you. They'll never take you to better ground or holier ground or higher ground. They'll always take you downhill. And to me, I think that's the reason why that was placed in the Scripture. They always want to unravel your dreams. They want to destroy your destiny. They want to disrail your witness. They want to dismantle all relationships. And for them, the darker the better. The more unclean, the better. They'll get us to doubt God's Word and to doubt God's truth. And their end goal is death, destruction, and disunity. They'll take us down the hill. And they might start off slow, but by the time we get halfway down that hill, we're going at a pretty good click. Starts off gradual, but then it picks up steam. Here's the lesson. Anytime a demon can drag you and me downhill through the degradation of our thoughts and our attitudes and our inner dialogue and our self-talk, they chalk it up as a win. We may not be running around in a graveyard buck naked with chains hanging down our, our, our arms, but if we can... But if we can hate our other brothers and sisters in Christ, if we can hate our fellow human beings, if we can hate people and we can be jealous, that's cool with them. That's points on the board for them. Church, they want to unravel all that in our life. And here's the thing. Nothing you do in your power will send the demons that have taken root in your life away. Oh, uh, over-the-counter stuff's not going to do this. Self-help's not going to do it. You know, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps not going to get the demons out of your life. You need one thing. Only Jesus can make those demons flee. Only Jesus. Nothing you do in your power... We'll send the demons fleeing. Brother, uh, Brother Tony Evans in the book U-Turn, where this chapter comes from, I'm not making any bones about it. Uh, he said that uh, he, he uh, was in his house one day and he was in his bathroom and there were bees flying around. Bees are no good, especially in the shower or around razors or other things, okay? So he calls an exterminator. You know, this goes on for a couple days. And the exterminator comes in, puts off a bug fogger in the bathroom, goes up in the attic, and there he finds this huge honeybee hive, and he takes it out and things like that. Exterminator gives Pastor Evans a big, big old bill and says, okay, I guess we're good to go. Uh, about a week goes by, and man, those bees start coming back. Those bees start flying again in the bathroom. He says, man, well, this isn't cool. So he calls another exterminator, not the first one, but another one. Exterminator goes in there and the uh, says, How, "What's going on?" Pastor Evans says, "Well, I got bees in my bathroom." He says, "Okay, uh, did you kill them last time?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "Did you take the hive out of the attic?" Uh, out of the attic? He said, "Yeah." He said, "Did you look around the house to see how they're getting in?" No. So they go outside the 
perimeter of the house and they walk all the way around the house looking for a hole in the house, see where those bees are getting in. They look up and where his power goes into his house, there's about an eight-inch, quarter-inch gap in there and they can see the bees going in and out. Well, there's your problem. And so they fill that gap. It wasn't enough to remove the hive. It wasn't enough to just kill the bees that were there. He had to fill the gap to stop the bees from going in. Okay, church, follow me because here's the application. Yo, you might get some revival and you might get some release and you might get a little deliverance, but here's the thing. Those demons will come back and they will look for the gap in your life. Whether it's jealousy, hatred, racism, whether it's Viewing pornography or things that dishonor God. Looking at other women that aren't your wife or looking at other men that aren't your husband. And it doesn't take much. A little jealousy's fine. A little hate's fine. A little addiction's fine. A little pornography's fine. The devil and the demons don't need much. They're looking for the gap. Church, it's time for some of us to get out to fix the seal and seal in the gaps. Because it's the reason why we keep going back. It's the reason why we regress. It's the reason why we don't ever know true freedom is because the demons keep coming back in. And Jesus is saying, will you let me fill in the holes? Fill in the gaps in your life. Church, Jesus has the power to remove the oppressive forces that work in our life. But it, it, but it will begin by us acknowledging and repenting of those misalignments in our life, those gaps in our life. It starts with surrender. If my team could come up, I'd appreciate it. So I'm getting ready for invitation y'all one of the most profound u-turns in the entire new testament takes place there in mark chapter 5 with this guy i want to read this to you mark 5 14 says now people rushed out to see what happened good god wouldn't you run out there to see what happened to that old boy i would have been there just as soon as i possibly could because i want to see this show a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there. I want you to imagine in your mind, this guy had been naked, running around the graveyard, yelling like a mental patient. But now this dude is chill. He's fully dressed. He's in his right mind. He ain't acting crazy. Buddy, if that's not a U-turn, I don't know what is. This guy has made a drastic U-turn in his life. He is not who he was. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Now listen to me. I don't think they were afraid of the man. I don't think that they were afraid of this formerly demon-possessed man. What I think they were scared of, they were afraid of the power who did that to that man. Oh, that the power changed him like that? What would it do to me? I think they were scared of Jesus. As Jesus was getting into the boat, this same man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus, take me. Jesus, let me go with you. Jesus, let me, let me just follow you. I've already made my U-turn, Jesus. Let me, let, me, let me on the boat. This is what Jesus says. But Jesus said, no, boy. Go on home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful He's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns. Remember the ten towns? The Decapolis. Go to the ten towns in the region and begin to proclaim the great things I've done for you. Begin to tell people about how I set you free. Begin to tell people how you used to be uh, oppressed by the demons, but now you are free. Church, if God sets you free, 
If God sets you free from demonic oppression, if God changes you, takes off your chains and your fetters, you better tell somebody about what He did for you. You better tell somebody about the victory you've received. You better tell somebody about the hope you got. Now, I don't want you to miss that, church. Each of us have a role in playing taking the truth of Christ's power to others. First and foremost, you can't tell people what happened to you if it hasn't happened to you. Some of you need freedom today. Some of you need let loose. And when He sets you free, don't keep it to yourself. There's somebody out there that needs to know that there's hope from meth. They need to know that there's hope from adultery. There's hope from addiction. There's hope from being a sexual abuse survivor. There's hope when your spouse dies. There's hope when your kids don't want anything to do with you. There's hope when your family's falling apart. But church, it sets you free. Don't keep it to yourself because somebody else needs to hear what you've been delivered from. Don't keep it to you. Don't just keep it in your family or your close friends to know about. Let the testimony of Jesus' power in your life be told to everybody and anyone. Oh, let me tell you what my Jesus has done. Church, your testimony is like a ripple in a body of water. You don't know what God's going to do with your testimony when it's released but He'll use it for His glory. Each of us have a role to play in taking that truth of God's power to others. You see, that old man, that old boy's U-turn there in Mark 5, it just wasn't about him. I believe Jesus set this man free so he could go to the ten cities. Church, when Jesus sets you free, it's not just about you. Your U-turn is not just yours. People need to know that God's still in the business of setting people free. God is still in the business of breaking chains. He's still in the business of breaking off fetters. Church, and what Jesus does for you, you ought to share it with people because here's the thing. If God did it for you, He can do it for them. If He sets you free, He can set anybody free. And the reason I tell you that is because, brother, I've been freed. And if He can set me free, He can set anybody free. Don't be ashamed of the power of Christ at work in you. You've got a part to play. Play it. Somebody asked me one time, Mike, do you believe in a personal devil? And I said, I do believe in a personal devil, but I don't believe that personal devil. He's a liar. He tells me I'm funky. He tells me that I'm not loved by God. He tells me I'm worthless. He tells me my past defines me. He tells me that I ain't no good. I'm going to tell you what, you listen to that sucker long enough, you'll start believing him. But every word that comes out of old Slewfoot's mouth is a lie. Some of you need to fill in the gap. For some of you, that's the mouth of those demons that speak into you. Martin Luther was asked one time, Mr. Luther, how do you overcome the devil? He says, when the devil comes to the door of my heart and says, who lives here? Luther said, the Lord Jesus goes to the door. And this is what he says. Martin Luther used to live here, but he moved out. Now I live here. Church, the devil seeing the nail-pierced hands and the pierced side... He takes flight at once. Church, it's a powerful determinant to the enemy. 
and demonic hordes, when Jesus resides in your heart, and when they come knocking, you send Jesus to the door and say, Jesus, would you answer this for me? When that mindset comes in to hate your fellow man, to, to hate your people, to hate whatever, to feel less than, send Jesus to the door. You see what happens when the demons come. You don't live here anymore. Jesus resides. If I could ask you to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The truth is we all need some level of deliverance. And if you think you don't have demonic oppression in your life, the devil's already won. Oh, Mike, I'm too sophisticated for that. I'm too educated for that. Great, that's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. That's exactly what he wants you to think. Man, you need to acknowledge the truth in your situation. The devil can't stand you. He doesn't work by himself. He operates with a whole horde of demons that were kicked out of heaven because they thought they were better than God. Y'all, we're not dealing with, uh, with the devil's C team. We'll, we're dealing with front string demon, uh, front line demons, starters. So acknowledge the truth in your situation. Look for the gaps where they're coming in. Man, maybe it's your web browser. Maybe it's your credit card. Maybe it's your attitude. Maybe it's jealousy. But whatever it is, you know what it is, man. The demons are coming in through that one-eighth inch gap. Now what I want you to do is I want you to begin to weaponize the truth against the demonic activity in your life. Weaponize the truth. When the enemy comes to speak to you, you speak the name of Jesus. When the enemy comes to speak to you, you proclaim the promise. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 1 verse 1 and 2, that the Lord's favor follows you and awaits you at every turn. When you didn't follow the advice of those who like wicked schemes, when you avoid sin's highway, when judgment sarcasm beckoned you, yet you refused. For you, the Word of God is your happiness. For you, it's your focus day and night. When the comes to speak lies to you you speak truth God's favor follows me and waits me weaponize the truth Pam play please then I want you to do this I want you to make your U-turn make your U-turn run to him and rest in him today if you know where the gaps are Today, if you know where the gaps are that you, need to, that you need to fill in. Today, if you know where the gaps are that you know that you need to pay some attention to. Uh, to. And if you're saying, well, Brother Mike, how do I do that? Well, what, what are the chains you're carrying? What are the fetters on your feet? What's stopping you from running free? I'd start there. Look for those small gaps where the demons enter and take up residence. Some of you just need to sweep and pick up because your mind's a mess. Your thought life's a mess. Anytime you see something, you automatically think the worst. Anytime you see somebody, you judge somebody in your mind. You may not vocalize it, but it's in your heart. Maybe your problem's with the opposite sex. Man, as soon as you see somebody, your, your mind already takes off on that lust lane. Hey, the name of Jesus will take care of that. The power of Jesus will take care of that. Find the gap. Plug it up.
Because here's the thing. I want you to leave your graveyard. I want you to leave your graveyard. I want you to stop living among the dead and start going where the living people are. You see, demons hang out with dead things. Christians are attracted to the light. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, if the Holy Spirit's revealing to you about a gap or a crack in your life where you know demonic oppression is coming through. And today you want to deal with it. Today you want to just give it to Him. You simply raise your hand, you can put it right back down. Thank you. Hands all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, today, I want to thank you so much for the power of your love, and I want to thank you so much for victory. And Lord, I pray for those who are about to come. I pray for those who are about to move and to make a decision. Father, I pray that today would be a day of victory. Today would be a day of, of breaking free from the chains and the fetters of the enemy. Today would be a day where people embrace the freedom that you bring. Lord, I pray for every person that's going to come to this altar this morning. Let them leave here different than when they came. Let them, when they come up, be different. And Father, we're claiming peace and we're claiming victory and we're proclaiming the name of Jesus over every level of demonic influence in our lives today. And it's in your name I pray. And amen. Y'all, what are we going to sing, guys? What are we going to sing?